Well, good morning, Northside family. Good to be with you today. My name's Nate. If it's your first time here or you're making your way back to church in the new year, I want to welcome you. And can we just thank God for this morning and welcome everybody online at the same time. It's just a great... Great way to start the new year. Love this song that Sam and the team have found of the house of the Lord. And that is the truth that we have. There is power in coming together and worshiping together and encouraging one another. But this is the truth that the spirit of the Lord, when you become a follower of Jesus, resides in you, sustains you, and moves you into what he has for you. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's what we're going to talk about next weekend in this series called On Your Marks. And we love this. Even if you're not a believer of Jesus, there's something that happens in the new year to our hearts and our minds, that we get excited that the new year could be new opportunities, and then e-learning happens the first week of the new year, right? And you were so gung-holed, and already like eight days into the new year, I'm like, I need a nap, right? I I need a nap, and and things have changed, and our expectations haven't always played out the way that we thought. Uh, But when it comes to the new year, this is what I found. A lot of people are wired differently when it comes to the new year. For some of you, you're here today, you're watching online, and you guys are like, go, go getters. Like you already have your summer plan and your fall break vacation lined out, right? And we are all jealous of you. You know, we, we want to let that be known. But some of you are like, oh, I can't wait. And you got it mapped out and you know this and you've got your goals set. And I love it. That's how God wired you. For some of you though here today, you're not a go-getter. You're a why botherer. Right, you know, and you're going, why bother? Because if I don't hit the goal, I'm gonna feel like a failure. So guess what? You never fail if you don't make a goal, right? You know, and that's just our thought, right? We're like, hey, I don't feel bad if I don't make the goal. The only thing is when we don't do that, we never really end up anywhere. And then there's a lot of us that may not be a go-getter or a why botherer, but you're here today and you're an in-betweener. And you're like, I know there's some new things that God wants to do. I may not know exactly what it is, But I know there's something new, and this is what I want to invite you to pray today, throughout this week. It's just simply this prayer. It's a prayer that I've learned just to pray, because sometimes this is what I found in my own life. I don't always know the exact goals to make, but I know there's something new that God wants to do. And so here's the prayer that I just pray at the beginning of every year and going into New Year's is simply this, because I don't always know what God wants to do in my life. It's just this prayer. God, what do you want to do that's new? God, what is it that you want to do here? God, uh, because sometimes I don't always have the best plans for my life or or I'll come up with plans and God's like, well, isn't that cute, right? Like, Nate, you made plans, right? And turns out none of those are my plans. And this is what I just began to pray. God, what are your plans in this year? God, what is it that you want to do that's new? I've started trying to implement this with my daughter when she got baptized because, again, she's the house of the Lord. She has the Holy Spirit. And last year we began to pray. You know, I said, Lily, what's God doing new in your heart? What's he saying into your heart and your life? And she said, well, I feel like if I'm baptized now, I want to learn what does it mean to really be a follower of Jesus. And the word that we kind of, you know, focused around was the word character. And then the phrase became courageous character. That was, that was her phrase for 2021, that there would be courageous character. And it was great because there'd be moments in her life that she wouldn't listen <laughs> And I go, courageous character, right? You know, or there would be moments that would come up and there'd be difficulty with friends or different things going on. And it gave us a way to come back to what God was doing in our life. We we talked uh, last week as we began the new year and I said, all right, let's do it again. What's the Lord doing? She said, I've been thinking about it. I said, that's great. What's he been saying? She said, this is what I'm thinking. What if I don't sin for the next two months? 
And I'm like, I'm all in favor of that. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Do a good and holy work in her life. And, and I said, man, that, that is a great idea. I love it. What if we didn't sin as much in the new year? I think that would be a great idea. And then I just kind of jokingly said this, but what if you do? She said, I haven't thought about that, right? And here's what happens a little bit is this, when we're making goals, when I make goals for my life, sometimes here's the mistake that I make. I just begin to focus on the activity. I don't wanna do this and I don't wanna do that, but I forget why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, what was weird this week when it was bitter cold, you know, like negative five degree wind chill around here, I saw something really weird while I was driving, people running. Right, and I'm like, what are you doing? Did you not read the weather forecast? And if you've talked to runners, this is what they'll say. I don't know about you, I've talked to some people who ran marathons, and I'm like, man, that's so cool. You ever gonna run another marathon? They go, absolutely not. But when you talk to runners, this is what I'll tell them. I'm like, hey, I saw you. It was zero degrees out there. Why were you running? And this is what they'll tell you. Because I'm a runner. I, I, I just run. It's who I am. I'm not just trying to get in miles. I know I have to run. A couple months ago, I was telling a story about a man in the church who was a Marine, and I was telling about his, his great life, and I said this phrase, you know, he's this great man of God, da-da-da-da. He's a retired Marine. I found out real quickly after service, Marines don't retire, right? I don't know if you've heard this phrase, once a Marine, what? You knew that, I did not a couple months ago, but now I do. And this is, yeah, hoorah. And here's the other phrase, right? It's hoorah. And what's the other phrase when you know a Marine? Semper what? Semper fi. You know what that means? Always faithful. Always faithful. I've learned this more about this. What Marines do actually have more to do with who they are than what they do. No wonder there's such a culture with Marines. No wonder there's such a culture with runners. Let me ask you this, though. We hear the word runner, we hear the word marine, and we have all these ideas that come to our minds. When I say the word Christian, what comes to mind? A lot of times this is our problem. When we hear the word Christian, we run right to our activity and we bypass our identity. For some of us, this is what we think. When we hear the word Christian, well, this is what Christians are, they go to church. Number one, I'm glad you're here. If you're watching online, welcome, right? It's good to come together. I need the body of Christ. We're gonna talk about that next week about what does it look like to be the church. But here's what I found out a lot of times, sometimes in Christianity and being followers of Jesus, all we know is our activity, but we don't know our identity. See, that's why we're doing this series called On Your Marks that Jesus has laid out, what does it look like? The marks for you and I, and last week, dad, he preached as we kicked off this series, and he asked me, he said, this is great, I was explaining the series, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter five, and what's amazing is this, Paul planted this church in Corinth, which is like modern day Las Vegas, you know, nobody grew up going to Sunday school there in Corinth, matter of fact, they had all these other gods, they had all these other ways of worship, and then Christ comes in and changes them, changes them from the inside out. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter five where we're gonna be, and he reminds them of their identity. And he says, here's what it looks like. Here's the marks of a Christian. And my dad was saying this, Nate, I love the idea on your marks, but he said, uh, isn't it on your mark? And I said, I know dad, that's why I'm a pastor, not an English professor, right? You know. And I said, no, I said, I know what you're saying. It is on your mark, but this series, what we wanna do is this. 
We want to have the marks of Jesus in our life. See, we want to have the identity as we begin a new year. I don't know what this year is going to bring for you and I, but I know this. God wants you and I to be marked by Jesus in 2022. Beyond anything that you and I go through, that we would live out the ways of Jesus. What I'm finding out, the more I read scripture, this is what I'm finding out. Christianity is a race for you and I to run in our life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then it says this. It doesn't just say quit sinning. It says this. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race that God has called you and I by faith in obedience to his Holy Spirit. One of the things our staff has been talking about, and I love this theme that's come up in our staff, and we talked about it last year, and this was the, the idea. You know, because oftentimes this is what people say this, or, or this is what pastor friends will ask me this. They'll say this, how many people have come back to in-person you know, in service, and then what were your numbers pre-COVID? A lot of times we say stuff like that. Where were you pre-COVID, and where are you now? What we've been talking about as a staff is this. We've been using this phrase, the next two are the best two. Next two, best two. What we're saying is this, what if the next two years are the best two years that it's ever been for us as followers of Jesus? What if the next two years were the best two years that your marriage ever experienced? What if the next two years were the best two years that you followed Jesus and you said, God, I'm not just going to think about the past. God, I'm going to be marked by your identity and the next two years are going to be the best two years. Not because everything's just going to be up and to the right, but Jesus, I'm going to be marked by you. This is what Paul started out doing when he reminded of the Corinthians of their life marked by Jesus. And he started by saying this in verse 14 of chapter five, he gives the church and he gives you and I the starting blocks to the race that God's called us to. And he said this, he said, for Christ, love compels us. Everything that it means to be a Christian means this, that you and I are marked by the love of Christ. You know how we love others well? The love of Christ. You know how you and I love ourselves well and in a healthy way in 2022? By the love of Christ. You know how we step into all that God has for us? We start with the love of Christ. See, what Paul was saying was this, following Jesus begins with our identity and it shapes our activity. Our identity shapes our activity. Too many times, this is the mistake I've made at a new year, I just begin with activity and I skip over of who I am in Jesus, who God's love is in me, in my life. That's why today what we're going to talk about and what Paul goes after is this, running the right race. Not running the rat race, but running the right race. Having our lives marked by God, having our lives come around the love of Christ. And then next week, what we're going to talk about is this, because here's how the, the race of faith goes. It's all about making a handoff. See, what our lives, what God created us to do is this, is to experience the love of God. And then here's what he wants you and I to do, is to hand off the love of God to others. The greatest thing I love, I heard Andy Stanley said this, he said this in a different way, but he said this. What you might do and the greatest thing you might do may not be what you do, but who you raise. That may be the greatest thing that you do. The greatest thing that you may do in your life may not be what you do, but who you influence, who you encourage, who you build up. 
And this is why Paul begins to say this. And we're going to look at this passage today and we're going to look at it next week because there's so much today. We're going to look at identity. Next week, we're going to look at our activity. See, it's both coming together. It's not one or the other. And listen what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. And I'm just going to read this because there's so much that he has here. And this is what Paul says. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. He says, we don't start where the world starts. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's who you are. God has made you new in Christ through what he did on the cross when you put your faith in him. He says, the old is gone and the new has come. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you know that when you place your faith in Jesus, you become a minister? Some of you are like, nobody told me that at my baptism. Hold up now, right? No, no, no. This is what he's saying. He's going, I've come to make you new and I've come to give you a new calling in your life. He says this. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now we hear that word reconciliation. It's a big kind of church word sometimes and we hear it. But oftentimes when I hear it, a lot of people, we have no idea what we're saying. And here's what reconciliation means. It means this. It means simply this, to be made right with God through Jesus. See, this is what it means to be made new with God. That you and I, because of Jesus' work on the cross, we have been made new. That we have been made right with God. Another way of hearing reconciliation is this, is that enemies become friends. See, the good work of God is this, that he is drawing us back to himself through Jesus. God was the offended party by our sin, by the world's sin. And instead of staying offended and went, all right, y'all can fend for yourself, Right? That's a lot of times, that's what we want to do. God goes, I know you offended me. And I'm going to give you my son. I'm going to give you a new way. See, this is the good news. This is who we are. Who we are is this, is that God has come to make us new through Jesus. This is the good news of how we start a new year. Here's my problem. A lot of times I want to do new things, but I want to do it in my old ways. What's the definition of insanity? right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. See, this is why Jesus comes and he makes us new. This is the word I just want you to think about all week is this. When you think about what Jesus has done for us and what he's doing in this world is this, he's making things new. See, he's making things new. This is what Paul says. He starts by this, by saying, so no longer do we regard anybody from a worldly point of view. See, what Jesus does is this. If you want to change the way you look at the world, allow him to make you new. He says, I want to give you a new way to view others. See, we don't judge others by their appearance. We don't judge others by their wealth. We don't judge others by what's going on in their life and the sin that's going on in their life. We look at them in a new way as creations of God that God has come to redeem. And Jesus says, I've given you a new way to view others. He says this, I've also given you a new way to view yourself. The new is here. The old is gone. Oftentimes for us in this place, we know God wants to do a new thing, but we highly doubt that he wants to do it through us. 
See, this is part of us looking at ourselves in a new way. But then not only that, he gives us a new way to view our calling, that you and I would help bring reconciliation to the world. That's what Christ came to do for us, and that's what we're called to do to those around us. I just wonder today, what new thing God wants to do in your life this year? You may not be wondering that, but God is. God's going, I want to do a new thing. Matter of fact, I want to encourage you, just if, even if you looked up the word new throughout the Bible, just did a word study and just found all the places that you found the word new, there's so many. I just want to highlight about five or six here. But all through the Old Testament, God said stuff like this to his people in Isaiah chapter 43. He said, I am doing a new thing. See, we have a God of new. We don't have to create new. We need to be made new. He says in this, in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he tells his people, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. God is committed to making us new. Jesus even said it this way. When people were trying to get him to do old things, he goes, no, I've come to do new. He says, neither do you put new wine in old wineskins. It's gonna burst. Jesus says, I want to do something new in you, but here's the thing. You got to let me make you new. You got to allow me to change you from the inside out. He goes on to tell his disciples this on his last night in John chapter 13. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Jesus says, I want to do a new thing, but here's the thing. It starts by my love in you. He tells him this in Luke chapter 22. He says, this cup, when he was talking about the juice, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And in the book of Revelation at the very end in chapter 21, verse five, it says this, God says, behold, I am making everything new. As you go into this new year, do you know God's not just asking you to do new things? He wants to make you new. This is why I love what God is doing here. He's doing a new thing. One of the things that we didn't see coming was hiring a digital ministry pastor. His name's Sean Prokus. God led him here. He's doing all sorts of new things. He's the one who pastors through our online and different uh, resources he's creating. He told me a story that happened here a, a couple weeks ago before Christmas. A lady got baptized and I was like, man, that's so cool. We love to see people come to, to be place their faith in Jesus. And he asked me this question. He goes, do you know her story? I said, no, I just, I just saw it, it's awesome. He said, I started talking with her because she was watching online. And she reached out and said, I need to talk with somebody. And he said, well, I'm here to help you. And he said, the more I got into her story, he said, here was what her story was. She was tuning in because she felt so guilty about her life that she didn't feel like she deserved to be able to even come into the building. What you heard is this, a woman who's saying, I need something new, but I have no idea where to get it. He said, I began to talk with her and I got her connected with other people here. And then all I saw was this lady who got baptized. I had no idea the whole transformation story of what God is doing through online ministry and through the brokenness. See, you have the God of new on your side. See, this is why we don't look at 2022 with just our activity, we look at 2022 through the eyes and the lens of the God who's new. 
something new that we're gonna do starting next weekend. It's right after this service, it's at, at 11.30. Our Next Steps team are putting on this thing called Next Steps. And here's what Next Steps is. If you're new to the church or if you're new to faith or if you sense God is stirring something new in you, what we wanna do is this, we wanna create a place to invite you to say, come in and step into the new thing that God is doing. It's gonna be next Sunday, 11.30. You can sign up, mynorthside.info has all the information, it's two weeks long. And we wanna invite you to be a part of it. I get to tell the 11.30 service, hey, you can actually ditch service and go to that, right? No guilt, no shame, no condemnation, right? Because what that whole class is all about is this, stepping into the new things of God. See, I'm making all things new. But here's the good news of the message this year for us. God didn't come just to make us new. God came to make the world new through Jesus. See, God said, I'm here to redeem you personally, but the mark of Christianity, and this is why we see a global movement of Christianity is this, God is saying, I've come to make the world new that I've come through Jesus. See, the cross is what I always am reminded about the cross is this, the cross is both vertical and it's horizontal. See, the cross is about making you and I new with Jesus, but it's also about making this world new through us and the church. You know what our calling is as a church? We're gonna talk about it more in depth next week, and it's this, simply this, I could summarize it this way. Through the power of his spirit, it's to bring heaven to earth. Bring heaven to earth. Say, God, you are calling us to be your church, to bring you redemption and grace to this world. And I know some of you are like, Nate, have you seen the world lately? All right, I know you're in here, you know, pastoring and working on your sermon, but we're out here living it, right? Do you, have you seen the world lately? And I'm like, I know, I read the news too, and you know, all this other stuff, and I see what's going on. And you know else who sees what's going on? Jesus. See, this is why he gave the world his church. And this is why Paul says this, that he has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. You know what the biggest enemy of the church today is? It's not the world. You're like, yes, it is. A lot of people hate us out there. I know, right? Here's the biggest enemy of the, of the church today. It's disunity in the church. That's the biggest enemy right now. Satan wants to divide you and I. He wants to divide and split churches over thoughts and opinions. He wants to break this thing down because here's why. Because when you and I are fractured and we're not reconciled and we're not moving together, guess what's not happening? The world is not being reconciled to Christ. See, when the church first got founded, there were a bunch of issues. Read the book of Acts. There's a bunch of issues in the church. Here's why. Because the Jewish people had to get along with all sorts of different nationalities. And as soon as you see grace come into the world, what you see is this. You have people from different races who can't get along. This is why Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. He writes this to the church. He says, hey, listen up, guys. He says this in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. And he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. 
And he did this by ending the system of law with its command and regulations. And he made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. See how the church gets along. I know a lot of us in this place, we come from different backgrounds, different belief, different races. You know how we get along? Through the reconciling work of Jesus. He makes his brothers and sisters one new people from two groups together as one body. And then here's the word, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. You know how we come together? Through the cross of Jesus, through a new work of Jesus through this sanctifying, through this holy work that God is saying, I've called you to become brothers and sisters. One of the things we know we hear this talked about a lot here at church is, hey, we wanna connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, we know that's the activity, we know that's the calling, that's the ministry of reconciliation, but we go, how do I live this out? Three things that we talk about here, values all the time is this, Christ, community, and calling. Here's who you and I are, this is what we live. We live full of Christ in community and in our calling. And we just put some wording to this. This is what it sounds like when you go, Christ, can you call him Nate? What does that mean? It means this, that you and I would be following Jesus. That you and I in community would become like Jesus. This is why we do life group signups. This is why I'm in a life group. Because here's what I know. When I'm by myself, I'm at my worst. When I'm by myself, I'm at my worst. But when I'm with brothers and sisters who love me, who speak life into me, who come alongside of me. They help me become like Jesus. And then here's our calling, to join the mission of Jesus, to step into the broken places around us. See, this is where Christianity gets rich and fun and life-giving. If you were here at the beginning, you heard one life group use their $500 that we gave to all life groups to go be a blessing, to go do work. And they bought 18 months of curriculum for freed within prisoners who are transitioning out of prison. And sometimes the world will say stuff like this to people who are broken, good luck. And Christianity says, we're with you. And they stepped in and they're walking alongside of those people who are trying to have their life be made whole. This is how Paul ends this passage. This is why we're spending two weeks here because it's so rich of our identity and our activity. And this is what he says in verse 20. He says, we are therefore Christ." ambassadors. My guess is if you had a bingo card and you're starting the new year, being Christ ambassador is probably not on it, right? That's not how we, that's not how we welcome people here. A lot of times at church, welcome to Northside, you're Christ ambassador, right? A lot of times we say coffee's over there, right? You know, that's, a, that's how we welcome people a lot of times. Here's why we got to pay attention to this. Paul says, you and I, we are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What an honor, what a calling that God is working in and through us. And he goes on to say this, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Before you start all the activity of 2022, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God we might become in right relationship with God. He goes on to say this, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. 
And in the day of salvation, I helped you. And Paul says this, and he says it to you and I today. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. Today is your day to either be made new or to walk in the newness of God. You know what Paul's saying here? So he's telling the church, put your identity in front of your activity. You want 2022 to be a success? Put your identity in Christ before all of your activity. Let all your activity run through this identity. Let it all be filtered through Jesus, our words, our relationships. And I know for some of you are like, whoo, boy, that, that could cost me, or man, that would really create some change. I know, welcome to the kingdom of God. I was reading this story as I was preparing this, this idea came to my mind, and there's this incredible story about this man named Nicholas Copernicus. Say that all weekend long, right, you know? Nicholas Copernicus. And uh, what's amazing about Nicholas Copernicus is this, in 1543, he wrote a book that defied what was being taught in all of society. And Nicholas Copernicus said this, it was such a controversial topic that he didn't even put the book into press because he knew he would probably be killed for it. So he only gave it to his friend right before he died. Literally about two days before he died, he gave it to his friend. Here's what Nicholas Copernicus came up with in 1543 that was later validated by Isaac Newton. It's this, it's where we get our idea of heliocentric theory. Here's what heliocentric theory is, is this that the world does not revolve around earth, but that the world revolves around the sun. And this is what he knew. Martin Luther, even a great theologian, disagreed with this idea. Other people disagreed with this. And this is why Nicholas Copernicus was like, I'm not letting it out there because people are gonna kill me about this. And I know I have this and I know this. And this is what was so controversial because that wasn't the way the world believed. And listen what he writes. This is what he put in his book. I think we got the quote we're gonna put on the screen. This is what he said. He said, in the center of all rests the sun. For who would place this lamp of a very beautiful temple in another or better place than this from which it can illuminate everything at the same time? I read that quote and this is what I just kind of heard the Lord lovingly tell me. Hey, Nate, in 2022, you need to get your world in order. (laughs) And you know what he wasn't saying? He wasn't saying you need to try harder and you just need to be better and your activity is this, this, and this. What he was telling me is this. God was saying, Nate, in 2022, your world needs to revolve around the sun. Not the sun that goes up and comes down, but the son of God who gives light to everything, to everything. See, 2022, let's make great goals, but let's do it as our lives revolve around the living Son of God. Matter of fact, here in a moment, we're gonna take communion, we're gonna take the bread and the juice, and what we do is this, when we take the bread and the juice, what we're declaring over and over again, this is why we do it every week, is because we are reminded and what we declare is this, that God, our lives revolve around you and your work on the cross and the living son of God. 
I don't know where for you this year that God is gonna say, hey, your life right now, it's kind of revolving around you. Guess what? I got a new plan. I got a new way. And it's for your life to revolve around my son. What I'm gonna do here in a moment, I'm gonna pray for us. Then we're gonna take a time of communion. Then we're gonna sing for a moment. I wanna put the communion slide up and they're gonna leave this, leave this up. I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna go into this. And I just want us to focus on this. Before we talk about all the activity and everything that the Lord might call us to do, I just want us to focus on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where it just simply says, God made him Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that your life would not be defined by your sin anymore. Your life would not be defined by your effort anymore, but your life would be defined by the son of God. And everything, all activity would flow out of that. And I just put some helpful prayers up there. Maybe this is a new thing for you to talk to your heavenly father. Maybe you thought for your whole life, God just hated you. And today God's changing you. And maybe you just need to pray one of those prayers. God, I thank you for leading me home through Jesus or God help me this year to live out of my identity and to point others to you through Jesus. Jesus wants us home with him. Our lives, our words, our actions revolving around him. Let me pray for us and then we'll take communion together. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you meet us in our deepest moments our greatest desires, Father. We want this year to count. Father, even if we've made no plans for this year, God, we pray that we would allow you to be our plan. And so Holy Spirit, we pray right now, have your way, speak to us, remind us, call us back to who we are in Jesus. And so Father, not just that this year, but the years to come, we would only be saying, over and over again, that was just the gracious work of God in our life. That was this living God who's making me new in my broken places. Jesus, we give this moment to you and we declare that our lives revolve around you. And we pray all of this in your gracious name, Jesus. And everybody said together, amen. Let's take communion together and declare him as king and then we'll sing. Let's take communion together right now.